And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Today, from a sermon which Pastor Elliot originally presented to his church in Pennsylvania, we will see that the Lord Jesus Christ upholds the pastor-teachers of local assemblies because they need His upholding. Dangers around them and pressures within them make this upholding very, very necessary. And now with his message for today is Pastor Robert Elliott. The second point in your outlines is that Christ upholds these human leaders. He holds these stars, these human leaders, in his righteous right hand of authority and strength. Jesus Christ upholds the pastor teachers that he raises up to be servant leaders within local churches. It says in verse 1, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. I told you before last week that the right hand of God, whether it's the Old or the New Testament, is the hand of authority, the hand of blessing, the hand of strength. Now, why would the risen Christ hold the stars of the seven churches, the seven pastor teachers of those ancient congregations, why would Jesus hold them in his righteous right hand? Why would he uphold pastors back then? And why would Christ choose to still uphold pastor teachers today? Because under shepherding God's flock is often turbulent, demanding, sorrowful, scary, weighty, and even overwhelming. Why would Christ uphold the stars or the human leaders, the pastor teachers, the messengers of local churches? Because under shepherding God's flock is constant. And under shepherding God's flock is never truly done. I think pastors usually pick hobbies that they can know when they are complete because so much of our calling to be a pastor you're never done. Christ is being formed in your own life constantly and Christ, you pray, is being formed in all the lives of the people, the precious people of the flock over which you have spiritual oversight under Christ. So Christ upholds human leaders. He holds them in his right hand. Why? Because pastoring is constant and never truly done. Acts 20 Paul summoned the elders of an ancient church, the same ancient church of Ephesus. And this is what it says in Acts 20, 17 to 32. Listen for the constancy of pastoring and the fact that pastoring's task is never fully done until everybody's safe home in heaven. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And now behold, bound by the Holy Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. You see, he knew he was going to Jerusalem being led by the Holy Spirit and imprisonment waited him there. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. This table of remembrance among other things remembers that we as a local church have been purchased by Christ's own blood so we are precious. We are to treat each other as precious. Pastor teachers are to treat you all as being precious. Carrying on with the text. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so the verses end. Jesus Christ upholds spiritual leaders in local churches because spiritual leaders need to be upheld. There's more. Why does Christ uphold pastor teachers in local churches because they face dangers around them and pressures inside them. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Jesus Christ upholds the servant leaders, the pastor teachers that he calls to local churches because these pastor teachers have dangers all around them and pressures within them every day. And if a pastor, elder, deacon is not upheld by Jesus Christ and properly by the members of local churches, we will quit or we will disqualify ourselves in sin. Jesus Christ 
in grace and faithfulness holds pastor, teachers, elders, deacons in his strong hand for protection. He upholds us, but he also, in his word, gives the flock of God in local assemblies like ours responsibilities to be a part of cooperating with his work of upholding pastors. In Hebrews 13, 17, the church of God is commanded, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The first thing that Jesus Christ calls you as a congregation to do with your pastors is to obey and submit to us as we're in alignment with the word. The second passage I want to share for your consideration is 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 20. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas here, and we are here on another edition of Youth Talk. I am the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church, and I am so glad that you are joining us this morning for this broadcast. This morning, we want to continue on what we started last week and talking about the Christian life and how the Christian life is not just a a sprint or just a a one-time event, but the Christian life is a race that we run daily and we run for until the Lord calls us home. And this morning, we want to continue on that concept and just understanding that again that this, this whole concept is not just about the event of coming to know Christ, but we are in a daily walk with Christ. And if this morning, if you have your Bible next to you, you can turn to your Bible to um, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. And we want to talk about exactly how Jesus himself he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the one that initiates the faith as well as we are trying to run to him. We are striving to become like him and we are doing all that we can in our own power to be like him. And as we understand, as we're going to look at this, there are many people who have gone on before us who have run this race of endurance. There are many people who we can probably think about in our lives that you know, people will say, well, I can never say anything bad about them or I've seen them run the good fight, run the good race and fight the good fight. And this morning, as, as Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, that therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to stop there and, and, and understand what this is saying. As I already talked about, there have been many people who have gone on and who have run this race of endurance, who has run this race, what we call the Christian life, and they have shown us exactly how we should live. And when we sit and think, as I said, let us also lay aside every weight. Some translations say every hindrance. We need to understand that as a runner, there's something that we, we would want to do. We want to let go of everything that we may have so that we could run the race to the best of our ability. There is no person, if you're training for a marathon or you're running a marathon, you are going to try to get five-pound weights in your hands and run with them. You are going to let go of those weights. You are going to try to get rid of them. You want to be as loose as possible because you want to try your best to finish that race. 
and you don't want nothing to hold you down. And this is how we are in our Christian life. We need to understand that there are many things that hold us down in our Christian life. When we consider this being a run, we have to understand there are many things. If you remember, if you've been listening to the broadcast, we talked about social media. This is some of the things that we allow ourselves, and, and it's a weight in our lives. We think of technology. We think of our cell phones, computers. These have become a weight in our lives because we've allowed them to consume us. We've allowed them to take control of our lives. And here, as, as this verse is saying, it says, Every weight and sin which clings so closely. Again, we need to let go of sin. The only way that we can run the race of endurance for Christ is that we are confessing our sin daily to God and telling Him, God, this is what I have done. We need to understand that God cannot use us to the best of our ability if we have sin in our lives. There is no way possible that that can work. It's the same as we think about a runner. A runner will train. A runner will do the best that they can. But when it comes to that day of the race, they want to let go of everything else and just focus on what they are there for, and that is to run that race. It continues, I said, let's run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Again, this illustration of a race is not a sprint, but a race of endurance. You know, we have just, um, in our country, just recently had the IAAF World Relay Championships, and you've had all these different relays from a 4 by 800 to a 4 by one they are different races. But we need to understand that this is the race that is set before us as we think of the Christian life, that we are to live a life that's pleasing to God. We need to endure it. We need to understand that the race, just like in anything else, there are times that come in our lives that, that it gets hard and it's not easy. And we have to push. We have to push because we know that we want to finish this race and we want to finish it the best of our ability. And God has placed this, this thing that we call life, and this is what he set before us to do life daily with him. Which brings us to verse 2, and it says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the key to, to everything that we think of as this race. We are looking to Jesus who is the founder and some versions say the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one that initiated this faith to us. And he is the one that we are looking to because he is the one that guides us. He is the one that directs us. He is the one that shows us exactly where we need to go. Again, as we think of this race, you always are striving to reach the finish line. And us in our Christian life, as we think of this race, we are looking to Jesus because he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. He is the finish line. He is who we are striving to be like. He is the one that is our perfecter. He is the one that we think about as we think of our, our Christian life, we want to become like. There are many of us who, you know, play other sports and, and, and we, we want to become that particular athlete. Well, as a Christian, we want to become like Jesus. We want to be like him. We want to look like him. We want to, people to see the fruit of the Spirit in us. It goes on. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross for us. He could have easily said in his life, you know, I, I don't want to do that. But he understood that he had to do it for us, for our sake, to pay the price for our sin. Despising the shame. Think about what Jesus went through on the cross for you and for me. And we need to understand that that day was a, 
a day that many would look at and say, I don't want to go through that. But he did that for you and for me. And because of that, now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is waiting for us. He is waiting for us. The question this morning is, as you are running this race and as you think of life and you think about what is going on around you, are you striving to be like Christ? I guess the first question is, do you have a relationship with Christ? Because if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have the same hope that's, that we do as born-again believers. Again, Jesus Christ came, endured the cross for us, for you and for me. And I would challenge you this morning as we close, that you would really search your heart and your life and ask yourself this question, do I know him? Am I running the race the best that I can? What do I need to confess to God? What sin in my life do I need to give to him that is holding me down? And understand this one that this, this race is a race of endurance. It's not a sprint. It's not about an event. But it's about every day doing life with Jesus Christ. What a gift that we have that we can do life with him daily. And he wants anything to do with us as we think of in our lives. What we have done to mess up so many times that he would want anything to do with us. This is Pastor Nicholas, and you have been listening to You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Pleased this morning to have in the recording studio my friend Dale Losh, who serves as president of Crossworld Mission. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Rob. Dale, I know that you've known Jesus as Savior, as have I, for quite a few years. We both trusted Christ to be our Lord and Savior at a relatively tender age. We, neither one of us were geniuses or uh, sophisticated thinkers, but we knew that we had sinned. We knew that Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And I know that we just simply trusted him in childlike faith and were made new. And uh, so you and I really have been privileged. I was four and a half when I trusted Jesus. And I think you said yesterday, six years old. Yeah, I was a little six-year-old. Yes. And so here we are, uh, the age that we are, and we've known Jesus quite some time. Um, I just wonder if you could share with our listeners one or two Bible verses that when you look back over all those years of knowing Christ that really have meant an awful lot to you. Well, the first one that comes to mind um, would actually be Psalm 1. Mm. Uh, where the psalmist says, How blessed is a man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he goes on to tell what the benefits of that kind of a, uh, a focus are. And um, as I look back over my life, and my wife and I have had this discussion several times, as we look back over our lives, and ask what has been the single most uh, formative uh, influence in our lives as uh, individuals, uh, we both came to the same answer independently. We didn't mm. have a discussion and say, okay, I, I agree with you. We actually uh, thought about it and talked about it um, after we had uh, concluded. 
Uh, and we had a lot of great influences. I mean, we were both raised in pastors' families. We mm-hmm. we had a great upbringing as as children. Uh, we heard gospel teaching all of our lives. Uh, we both went to a great Christian uh, university. Uh, I went to a great seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary. I I had so many great influences in my life. But for me, hands down, and for her, the same. We said it's the time we spend every day in God's Word just to nourish our souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Psalm 1 has um, had a huge impact on me because it tells what God will do for the man or the woman who will take the time to pour God's word into their heart Yes. and what God does through that. So that would, that, that's one that rises right to the top for me. Um, I think another one would probably be John 15 where Christ talks about what it means to abide in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, abiding in him and his word abiding in us. Again, there's the word coming into it. But uh, I, I, I think it's very closely tied uh, to what Paul talks about when he talks about being filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I know that even as a follower of Jesus, who's now been following him uh, for 52 years mm-hmm. and counting, that um, you don't get better on your own. No. Uh, if I do not abide in Christ, if I do not allow the Spirit of Christ to fill me and to give me what I need uh, every moment to walk with Him, uh, I stumble and fall. I need the gospel today. Yes. The gospel is not just something I believed to get my sins forgiven and to get me to heaven. The gospel is the good news that I can have the righteousness of Christ right now in every situation. So, you know, when I'm driving in the car and my wife says something that hurts my feelings and I want to respond in kind and give her something that, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't have what she needs to hear, but Jesus has what she needs to hear. Mm -hmm. And I can either give her what I got, which isn't pretty, or in that moment, uh, I can uh, call out to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I need your tenderness. I need your gentleness. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. Yes. Give it to me right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel. And I think that's uh, that's what it is to abide in Christ. So those would be two passages that have had a, a big influence on me. That is so excellent to know that uh, God's word is unchanging and so deep. Uh, you can't plumb the depths of it. You you. Uh, know a verse for many years perhaps and you go back to it again and again and you maybe see something new and different and precious in it that you may have missed uh, in the past well i'm so glad to know that uh, those verses mean what they do to you and i can see why they're precious they're very special i'd like to pray for our listeners that um, are walking with christ perhaps like us for many years gracious god our loving heavenly father We thank you that when you save us by grace, you keep us saved safely by grace, and that we are your child. We are adopted into your family. We are given a new identity. Uh, We are robed in Christ's righteousness. We are not left as orphans. You give us, at the point of conversion, your Holy Spirit to live within us permanently, never to be evicted. Lord, we confess that sometimes due to our sin, we grieve him, but we never can evict him. He is our engagement ring that one day the marriage we have with Jesus will be fulfilled and finished. 
Thank you, Lord, for all of these wonderful realities. We pray, Lord, that our listeners would know the joy of your word each day, that they would open your Bible and spend time reading it, simply reading it, and letting its truth wash over them and feed their souls. Lord, we ask that all of us would not merely be readers of your word or hearers of your word merely, but Lord, help us to be doers of your word. May we know that you've given us your truth, really not to make us smarter. That's not enough. But you've given us your word to make us more like Jesus Christ, to chip off of each of us whatever doesn't look like Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for uh, this opportunity with uh, Dale Lush, my friend. Thank you for the medium of radio and for the opportunities we have to be invited into listeners' homes each week and to really camp on the scriptures because our individual opinions aren't worth that much. But your word is priceless. So Lord, help us to be Christians of the book, followers of Jesus who are rooted in the Bible. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' glory. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas And remember everyone needs a savior.